Hey everybody, welcome back to There Will Be Dungeons. That's right, season two of the uh, man mantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I got I'm on Dayquil today, so things might get a little weird. I know it's a bad excuse, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're on we're on to the waste, everybody. It's uh, episode two of our, our uh, brand new season of the Waste Campaign. We have Bo back in the DM seat, and uh, as tradition dictates, back in the day when we used to start the show. We would have it thrown to Kristen, who would then like, kick it off with like a last time there, you know, this is what happened. So today, I'm happy to report it's returning, and I'm going to do it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Ashton with what happened last time on There Will Be Dungeons. A succinct summary found our friends a few days down as they staked their stirrings for Dolly's dinghy to develop. As Nash flipped fireballs, as Stanley studied, as Varel and Hope quietly cooked, they perceived a presence, a man marching. Monsoon Cabbage came, asking an audience. He parted a past party the principal was part of, as well as him, Grosjil, Stanley's father, and none other than Nash. He asked to amend the Tiet Kaleen tussle by canceling Katobalprate's contract with Stanley. An incantation initiated, and a demon destroyed. Cabbage wished them well, telling them to take the Triangulosphere to the long-lauded solar mines. The next morning, Stanley's craft cropped up. Now rejoin our heroes as they investigate the boat built for Stanley. I really missed hearing that. All right, Bo, it's over to you. Yes, before we begin, we're going to celebrate that excellent introduction by awarding Kristen with something new, a new house rule, a new mechanic for the oh. game, if you will. Oh. Traditionally, Ooh. we uh, award uh, such heroes with something called inspiration, but it will not be inspiration. Kristen, you are awarded a glorious damage token. What does that do? Let's see. Your glorious damage token Ooh. works thusly. In the next combat encounter... You may cash in said token and receive maximum damage on a, on a damage roll and double it. Oh you Lord. must use it Damn. in the next combat. The other rule for the glorious damage token, if more than one party member has it, if someone uses a glorious damage token, the rest can save it for a subsequent encounter. However, if no one uses it, they all vanish. So just mark it, just mark it somewhere. You got a token. Great. New house roll, new, new mechanic. Use it your games, kitties. All right. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, we, are, we find ourselves hovering above the planet Earth, a desolate wasteland aboard an elven airship. Stanley, your cottage has transformed into the captain's quarters towards the back of this massive wooden airship with large sails spanning on the left and right sides and high above. Ghost elves populate this thing and are busy performing work. And as you have exited the boat and look around, jaws agape at what has occurred, a tall and somewhat handsome elf with glorious mustache and beard and pencil beard approaches you and says, It's good to finally meet you, nephew. Welcome aboard your ship. And the elf 
takes an arm and inch and, and, and waves it towards the rest of the boat. Now this elf is dressed in, in, in a jacket and has long hair and has um, a puffy shirt, <laughs> a Seinfeldian puffy shirt and breeches, uh, you know, tucked into some breeches with stockings and uh, these boots f- appropriate for boat work. It's That's right. I'm your uncle, Uncle Sever. It's good to meet you finally, um, Velia Ornaf. I can't begin to express how glad I am you found us and made your way here. Welcome aboard. Um, thank you. It's uh, interesting to to meet you. Your ghosts. Right, right. Well. Even elves don't live forever, and your jolly father wanted to make sure you had what you needed when the time time came. The crew you see aboard here have volunteered for this transfer of energy into the ethereal in order to carry out your mission. I presume you know what it is. Have you had a chance to read your father's book? Uh, yes, I've I've glanced through it here and there. I can't say I fully understand everything, but uh, I think we have some idea of what we're doing. If I could, I would hug you. I'm so happy to see you. Uh, how does that work? Would we? Would I pass through you? How is how is this? Yes, we can't right touch. Let's try it. And then he reaches out a hand. Let's try a handshake, see if that works. Oh, okay. Yeah, and his hand just passes through you, and he says, Ah, the price to pay for the ghastly afterlife. If that's the case, how do you manage the controls of the ship? Well, that's just the thing. We are magically enchanted to stay aboard the ship and operate it, but your crew here can't, can't leave the ship. Come, you should meet everyone. And he, he turns around to the crew and he says, Look alive, everyone. Your captain is now aboard the ship. And come make your introductions. And the ghosts sort of, they stop what they're doing and they look towards you and certain elves float up through the bottom of the boat until around 40 or 50 ghost elves surround you guys at the entrance of the captain's quarters. Right, right. Um, stand to attention, everyone. And, he, and everyone sort of stands in, in, in a file, like, in a lineup. Uh, and those elves of prominence, as you can see, there are deckhands that are dressed less elaborately. But the um, the made ones are, 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 are in a line. And uh, he says, one by one, we'll introduce you to everyone. You've met me. I'm Severolnit Ornaf. You can just call me Sever. I'm the first mate, and I'll, I'll assist you on your journeys. This here is, um, <clears throat> he, he moves to another elf uh, who has, uh, hang on, my notes are just, okay, okay a sort of a rotund, rotund looking elf with a long, uh, you know, aristocratic wig on. And he says, this here's a quartermaster, jolly good sneer, Philip Twal. A boat swain, the next one down, lowly law, pie spit, Evan Twillar. And this carpenter here is Tumpy. And we've got our arcane gunner here. That's Leek Gravel Snother. 
a powder monkey. Whole Zeus, dirty boy, Gwepspinar. This wonderful lady here, and there's a dame in the lineup, is uh, Dame Apalashkis. We just call her the dame. The helmsman, crooked hand row. Our food supply man, a striker, meddlesmong, Erosalor. We just call him Mong. The surgeon, Dr. Splenoval Daffodil. And the cook, Chef Durgenzola Mamzi. And then he points to another ghost that does not look like an elf, who's rather large and furry, looks distinctly like an ogre, but has one large eye and a tongue that hangs out. And this here's your cabin boy, Gorgeous Georges. And then Gorgeous Georges says, Georges! He goes, right, and this is the crew. Uh, this is our captain, Valeronov. You've all been waiting for this day. And now we are finally here to serve him as he's found us. Um, Valia, please introduce us to your companions. Oh, uh, well, uh, hello, everybody. Um, you know, my name is, uh, I, I guess you will all know me as Valia, but uh, you might also hear me called Stanley, as I'm frequently called by my friends. Uh, speaking of which, these are my friends. We have uh, Nash Maggard of the Solar Mines right here. Gesture towards Nash. I'll nod back. Um, we have uh, Vorel Rasveem Kurik. Um, and uh, we have Hope. Uh, do you go by the full name now or just Hope still? Uh, just Hope. And she's been picking her nails with her dagger as she looks up and answers. Uh, these are my friends, my companions, and uh, these are the boys. Uh, boys, companions. All right, and, and the crew uh, all in unison go, Huzzah! As they uh, celebrate uh, the introductions. All right, you bloody scallywags, get back to work. There's lots to be done. Uh, we'll be underway soon, as soon as the captain sees fit. Off you go. And then the ghost elves uh, move throughout the ship back to their assigned posts uh, performing work. And I will, uh, if you'll turn your attention to roll 20, although the map will indicate you are in space, you're not in space, you're just floating above the surface, you will see the layout of your airship. Ooh, it's got levels. And, uh, and um, yeah, so uh, Uncle Sever, he's like, would you like a tour of the facilities aboard the ship? Um, yes. Yes, I think we should. <clears throat> All right. Well, you're on the deck, and upon the deck, we've got several arcane ballistas, as you can see them here, as well as the sails we, we will be using to, to carry us forth through wherever it is you need to go, be it in an atmosphere or through the void. But come downstairs and follow me. We'll take you to your quarters. And he moves uh, down to the main floor and... and, and if you go underneath, below decks, you will see um, various deckhands working throughout the the area. In the front, there seems to be a control panel, and towards the back, he gestures back there. He says, back there is the entrance to the main captain's quarters and lounge for your companions back there. However, it is yours, and you decide who goes in there, not your companions. That's for you. Um, if you move over here, toward, near, near your lounge, you'll see Chef Durgenzola, Mamzi, 
he's there to prepare food for the crew, but he will make you the priority, as um, mortals tend to require food and, and not, you know, ethereal ghosts so much. Uh, if you require rations, he has rations in reserve that he can give to you. Please make your requests of them. Um, and now follow me downstairs to the b bottom floor. And uh, then he brings you downstairs, and you can see there are various magical devices in this area, as well as supply stores for ammunition and things of that nature. Uh, he moves you around and says, the, um, there's an armory in here. Uh, I am, if you require any sort of munitions, things of that nature, the dame can help you out. Uh, back here is the crew quarters, and you can see the cabin boy, Gorgeous Georges, is in there, making everything comfortable for everyone. <clears throat> right, and we move this way up towards the front, and you'll see the engine here. Any questions so far on the tour? Uh, I don't think so, and Stanley will look around, see if anybody has questions. I uh, just want to make sure the name I heard is correct. Uh, that guy with the food is Durgonzola. Durgonzola Mamsie. Chef Mamsie, if you will. Okay. That's all I wanted R to know. <clears throat> right. Any other questions? It's a great name, is all I'm saying. I'll be sure to I'll be sure to relay that to Chef Mamsie. Um he'll be glad to hear it, I I, I think. I've got one more f surprise for you. Valia, are you ready for it? I suppose so. Come with me this way. And so on the bottom floor towards uh, the engine room, so towards the front of the ship, you see there's this large magical engine going... Uh, first mate Sever, or Uncle Sever, moves towards the side of it and releases a hatch and a stairwell uh, descends down. And he st stops at the top of the stairs and he... He gestures down, and he says, Down this way. There's someone who'd like, I'm sure would very much like to meet you now. All right. Follow. All right. So um, everyone, you know, one by one goes down the stairs, and you enter into this small chamber. doesn't make much sense as you think about where you are aboard the boat for there to be a small undercarriage chamber in such a way, you get the sense that there's something unusual about the placement of this particular room aboard the ship. It's a small uh, chamber, maybe 20 feet by 20 feet kind of thing. But what strikes you most is that um, there, there are no, there's no equipment in here. It's wood, except towards the back, there is a large face carved in wood on at the back of the room. And this um, this face, Stanley, bears a very is immediately recognizable to you. It is carved in the shape of your father. Face sure. begins to glow, but does not move as a voice uh, hovers throughout the air and says, "Hello, my boy." For the folks at home, real quick, uh, where is this in C or sorry in? In B? This room is not on the map. Oh, you don't see it on the map. Okay. You'll, the stairwell you'll see to it is where the inner chamber, you see two inner chamber on the top right of the map. Got it. Okay. Yeah. We're good. Um, what, what exactly is this? I know this is an unusual meeting, but it is I, your father. 
You've finally come. How exactly is it you can be here? I'm sure you have many questions. When we were separated, I tried to find you. But I was mortally wounded and needed to do what was best for the future of this planet. I returned to Elhandar and finished the completion of this vessel. And here I am. And here you are. You've been alive this whole time. Alive is a flexible concept. I have life essence, but I have shed my mortal body long ago in order to power this vessel. And what about mom? Regrettably, she passed. In what transpired that separated us. Warms me to see you, son. To know that you're alive and well. And I want to hear your tale. When we find time. Are we all I'm privy sure to this or will. is it just him, him down there with... Uh... Yeah, you're down there with him. Okay. At some point, um, sure, at some point, I'm sure I'll be down and share that with you. Yes, there's the, there's the mission. That's why you're here. Well, um, it's funny you should mention that because, uh, well, it's been a funny couple of days, and um, I guess now is as good a time as any. And Stanley will kind of turn his back to his father to address his companions. Look, um, we all been together for a while now. We've been together through a lot of very strange and very difficult things. And for a time... I would say that the unifying goal was to uh, deal with this impending doom that hung over three of us. Uh, I know, Varel, you specifically considered yourself uh, our keepers ever since then. And the truth is, the ties that have bound us all along have finally frayed. There is no reason for us to necessarily have to accompany one another anymore. I spent a lot of time after Elhandar crashed, and I thought about it, and I thought... Honestly, I was a bit depressed. I don't know if we've made this world any better. You know, we started trying to be Hillguard and Dusthill, and... 
Uh, that place is gone, and then we tried to make Slave Town a little better, and that burned down. And uh, Tiakala was a home for a while, but it's destroyed as well. It's very easy to see our actions as uh, not very good. And I was ready to walk away from it. But I do think that despite being perhaps not my favorite person in the world, Monsoon Cabbage made a good point. And he said that the world is very bad. And I thought about it, and I thought most of the bad things that have happened would have happened whether we were there or not. And the difference we made may not have saved Dust Hill or Tietkala or Slave Town or Razik Val, but it certainly would have been worse without us. As a result, I am ready to see this mission through, to do what I can for this planet. But I am not going to say that any of you are by any means bound to take this journey with me. I am not your leader. They may call me captain, but I am simply the pilot of this ship. I will take you all wherever you want to go. But it is up to each and every one of you where that is. I go wherever I can take my family with me. Whatever that means. I'm not even sure that's your dad in there, by the way. Didn't really prove anything. Could be anybody. He's trying to pull us into another false sense of whatever. Oh, well. Let's uh, not get hung up on those details just yet. But, uh, Nash, if your goal is your family, they are currently on the terraforming platform on Mars. Correct. That is my understanding where we would be headed next anyway. Isn't that right, Bo? If I'm remembering correctly. Um, you're, yeah, so Amantha Lodar and yourself, when we played a while ago, the, the thing was once you were done attuning to the cabin, whatever that meant, um, you were to meet him on Mars. Though your thought was to take a portal there. Perhaps the ship will take you there instead, is your thought. Getting you back to your family is entirely possible. It's also the next place we would likely be headed. So, we would have at least the trip to decide. Varel, I know your thoughts have been of your home. I can take you there. Or we can go somewhere else. I I find myself wanting to return to Razakval, but the world is frankly inseminated. And I'm concerned. Do 
What is this of, of insemination? Says the wood, wooden face on the wall. Can we talk without the... I wish to discuss this as a team, not in the presence of walls. Uh, or... <laughs> ghosts who might age me, should they scream. Uh, very fair. Um... Son. The, the wall speaks at son. There are captain's quarters available to you on the se- on the first floor below deck. There you will have total privacy from the crew and myself. Though should you wish to speak with me, I am summonable anywhere throughout the ship. How do we know you're his real dad? Oh, I have no paternity test with which to prove such a thing, but I trust Valir will know the truth. He might also know something about you, Nash. He did an uh, adventure with you. You oh, could ask yeah. him a question. Oh, yeah. Well, not with me, though, right? Wait, how did that work, Bo? Well, um, remember... You would know. <laughs> well, re- remember that the original uh, circle of Niglame- uh, Naglamesh... Or what, what was it called? I forget now. I don't um, know. I have it here. Wait a second. Monsoon Cabbage relayed the story of having his own. It was the circle of, sorry, Naglagesh, right? Uh, uh, with Delit or Noth formed a group of heroes with yeah. the principal, Monsoon Cabbage, and Grosjil, and they had a Nash. Right, but it was I that I wasn't that Nash. You weren't that Nash. But you have it's it it sounds insane to you. Like it, it's totally Imagine someone telling you that there was a Scott Johnson in, in 1432 that existed that was exactly you, yeah. and everyone was like, "Yeah, we we had one, we had one of you, had one of you. <laughs> in the in the Dark Ages. We know yeah. what you're about." Well, Nash would that's, not that's, be Nash wouldn't be completely bowled over by this because he's met additional Nashes and now understands right. that the multi Nashiverse at least exists, uh, if, mm-hmm. if not why exists, or you know all the answers. But um, I would say to hope then. Um, knowing all of this, I'd say, uh, well, I wasn't that Nash. I don't know which Nash it was. I don't have the knowledge of that Nash. That'd probably help. Maybe all Nashes originated in the solar mines, and then they split once you left. Maybe. You could ask him about something in there. Uh, actually, a good point. Uh, supposedly Stanley's dad. Uh, what happened to my, or what happened to your Nash? Where did he end up? <laughs> That's a good question that I haven't that Bo the DM has not thought of an answer for. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what happened to the Nash that I knew. He departed with Grosjil on a mission for the principal. His fate unknown to me. However, if proof it is you seek that I know of you, Nash, I know that you that your <clears throat> equipment fell off and that you kicked it under the bed bingo it's a little bsg this is this story has happened once it will happen again kind of problem with nash he always kicks his penis under a bed is that what's going on there's always a lighthouse yeah, yeah. it's always kicked under the bed um all right i was ta- i would take his meeting and sort of nod and stand back and be a little less egregious about his identity Wait, this, R- regardless, this I is think... proof enough. This is proof enough for everyone. 
that, that the walrus really his dad because he knows of, of a penis kicked under the bed ceremoniously. It does feel, it does feel like that would be difficult to just come up with on, on a moment's notice. I suppose. But Nash, you literally tell everybody this. This isn't a secret that you uh, closely guard. I think is the the point we're making. Well, here. I don't guard it as a secret, but I I don't advertise it. I don't, you know, do these other, do these ghost elves, you all aware of my penis bed? And now literally all of the ghost elves that can hear you know about it. <laughs> well, they know Regardless, now. Regardless, it seems like privacy is something we are seeking and maybe we should retire to the captain's quarters for that. I will let out a, a sort of harumph sound and fold my arms and it's fine. Res- right, are you able to, to move your tokens to the captain's quarters? It's the I'm one sure with the nice right. rug, right? Yeah, the nice rug. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> I like that that's how we identify. I run being very careful not to touch any ghosts as I go. Very good. Yeah, same. All right, so uh, you leave the room, and the room dims as you exit it. Uh, your Uncle Sever uh, gets in line behind you and follows you, remains quiet. He seems eager to see what your reaction is, knowing that this is a big moment for you, but he's solemn in his duty and and doesn't bother you. Uh, as you guys enter into the cabin and close the door for privacy, uh, you know that he stands outside. I'm going to press my ear to the door to see if I can hear anything out there. Those are pretty quiet, unfortunately. Very frustrating. <sighs> Although you do hear the sound of work occurring throughout the ship, as well as the, the vibration and hum of the ship. Okay, like work echoing through the wood, or is it like coming through the door, as in we have to whisper inside? Ghost. Um, well, you can you can hear some sound, but it's very faint. Like yes. Hmm. Are these couches movable? Uh, indeed, they are. I will push one in front of the door. Okay. As he's doing this, <laughs> Hope will uh, use her necklace to turn into a ghost Hope. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Okay, you now have an ephemeral uh, appearance, even though you are technically not a ghost. You look like one. Okay, door secure. Ah! <laughs> I touched one for Elle, and then she'll no! transform back into hope, and then into a ghost a few more times before settling in real hope. <laughs> Nash will find true. that very funny, and we'll be laughing hysterically in the corner. You all laugh. But you did not age to an old man, withered and about to die from the scream of that banshee there in the basement. Well, I don't think these are the screaming ghosts. I think these are more like amicable work ghosts. The only other ghosts we've met were skeletal pirates. Varel, I think you're also forgetting Stanley and I have died already. (laughs) I was a heart floating around for a while, pretty close to death. We've all kind of been It's not that big of a deal. I have continued to step forward every time things have gotten odd, but I would like a break, and I'm going to sit in this chair and take one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can take a short rest if you want. I'm going to relax. I'm going to feel the captain's quarters. Uh, Stanley, I find your lineage most strange, the only advantage of which is that the crew is already dead and we can't kill them by accident this time. I don't know. Hope will shake your head. There's probably a way to kill them. 
I mean, we have killed ghosts before. So the souls rest on our hands again. Excellent. I mean, let's take care. I, we've also pretty much ruined any vehicle we've ever set foot upon, so let's also maybe mind this one a little bit. Park it away from the action, take the action away from the ship. Ah, the, the Fate 6. Are we up to 6? Fate 5 was my mighty cart. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but didn't Hope also have one after the fact, or was that something else? Have we faded to 7, Hope? What was, I've lost count. What was 6? <sighs> this is 6. I think this okay. is 6. There was the one crushed by the T-Rex. That was 5. No, 4. Then I made no the fate five. Oh, fate four. Yeah, that would have been the fate five. Then, okay, yes, so and the cart was fate five. The skeletal scientists. Wait, fate three never came out in the U.S. Only Japan. Just kidding. Keep going. Exactly. That was overseas. <laughs> <laughs> never got translated. <laughs> that was for John. By the way, that was appreciated. Uh, so wait, the, this is the six. We're on six. I think it might be six as well, but the cart was definitely a short-lived Fate Five. All right. Well, either way, we'll call this the Fate Six. Call it what you will. I am stressed, frankly. Mm-hmm. You wish to know what I would do? Yes. I do not know. It is correct that I adjusted my um, charge to help each one of you recover your spiritual independence. My mission is complete. And without a people, an audience for our greatness, I see very little reason to continue on with our endeavors, particularly as the planet is heavy with child. Well, I think that you don't get an audience any bigger than the rest of the remaining world. That's who we're seeking to help here. You bear a great many titles, Varel, but uh, despite your many titles and accolades, I think as a group, the only title we have held is failure. I think it's a bit of a shame, really. I think we should add a success to that. And what greater success than... Hoisting out the child you're so concerned about and saving the entire world. Who could possibly top that? And we do this feat by creating an impossible box and placing it in Nash's hometown. That's the word. 
What of the principal? Well, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to deal with him at some point. And what of Hope? And her many forms and curses? Well, Hope, like everybody here, gets to decide what she wants to do. She has certainly gone her own way. She's found her way back to us. And despite not exactly being the most trusted person initially, I have full faith in her. All I know is that I've died a lot of times. Sometimes for longer than others, but I keep coming back. I'm brought back. <laughs> a little ghost whisper echoes into the room. Yeah. I push the chair harder into the door. <laughs> <laughs> One ghost is at the door. Hi. <laughs> Get out of here, ghost. <laughs> So all I can figure is I have a destiny to fulfill and this seems to be the one because every time I come back, I'm here. And I don't know which uh, iteration of hope this is. There are countless, but this is where I am. So I'm going to keep going. As for the arm and everything else that I can deal with afterwards... Infinite hopes. Infinite Nashes. Will we soon meet infinite Stanleys? Morel, we, we were all in Sigil together. Do you not remember? Everybody, every Earth, every... everything. There are countless Varels. None as cool as you. Thank you, Nash. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to roll deception or not, but that was to just calm him and have him freak out about it. Oh, I'm just wondering if Pharrell thinks he means as awesome as you or as, um, like the temp as, as cold as, <laughs> like, that you would be the coldest of all the no, I, temperature I'll tell you what my intent is. My intent is, and how he takes it is whatever. My intent is to say, you're probably better than all of them. Like, there right, may be but, many, there may be many Pharrells, but you're the best of those Pharrells, even though I have no way of knowing that. I see your meaning, then. For we are the most Varellis and the most Nashes of Nashes. And if we cannot succeed, they will all fail. That's, uh, it's a, yes. Possibly. I'm going with that. <laughs> we're the ones that win. You said we were the ones that failed. Yes, but we had to fail so that we can eventually win. Ah. And even if we aren't, we'll come back as the ones that do. Fine. What's the plan? I believe the next step is to go to Mars. Although how to do that, uh, we're probably going to need a bit of help. But that's what the ghosts are for, so uh, if we're all in agreement, that's where we will head. Mm. 
<clears throat> I mean, we could always fly by Razak Val, see what you're missing. You could take a peek out. We'll see if lizard politics is playing out and if you're interested in it. If you really want to go play the political game, we can drop you off. Uh, they're blown out with worms, likely. But if it would put your mind at ease. <sighs> that it would. I would enjoy this. I mean, if this thing can fly through the stars, I imagine we can get to Razak Val pretty quick. Then let us check in. Alright. First test flight of the Fate 6 to Razak Val. Stanley will go up, start slowly inching the couch away from the door. Mm-hmm. Varel, do you relent? I'll relent, but I'll stay in the cabin. All right. So you move the couch away, open up the door, and you see uh, your Uncle Sever uh, leaning up against the uh, hull of the, the ship. And once he notices you're there, he stands to attention. And he goes, <clears throat> Captain on deck. And then the rest of the ghosts stand to attention. Uh, yes. Uh, Uncle, we have decided we are going to go to Razak Val. Check it out first as our Very initial good. voyage. Would you like to come see how it works on the hill? Yes, very much so. Right, right this way. Uh, All right. Oh, would you mind accompanying me? You're far better with machines than me, and uh, this might sink in a little better for you than me. Of course, yeah. All right, Nash. Uh, Nash, uh, Varel, you staying in the quarters? I mean, I would, yeah, for staying there for the night, yeah. All right. So I'm um, uh, hoping, hoping uh, Stanley, uh, you make your way up to the main, uh, back to the main level of the ship, and you're guided towards the the helm. Now the helm has a big, you know, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a steering wheel, but a big wheel uh, that turns left and right. But there's also a number of um, like sort of steam pipes that like let out like the steam, and there's these dials like steampunk style like a little red section and many of them go up and down and then there's um the this typewriter like button like these big mechanical buttons that have elvish written on them and then uh manning this um manning this station is crooked hand row and it looks to you and he says captain how can i help you and Uncle Sever approaches behind and says uh, we'd like to show um <clears throat> our new um the new captain how it all works um, so, uh, if you could provide a demonstration for him. Very good. Um, for void travel or for regular travel, sir? Uh, regular travel. We're just heading to Razak Val. Oh, right. Well, very good. Uh, basically, you can set the speed air, and he shows you a number of dials here. That'll allow for forward momentum. Uh, we are magically propulsed, so um, it is possible in combat, for example, or, or to initiate more precise maneuvering, uh, left and right, and or starboard and aft, as we call it here in the, cap uh, the naval world, as well as even reverse somewhat. Um, but generally speaking, you want to set your speed here, and he shows both you and Hope how to do it, and then and then you steer with the steering wheel. All right, so Razak Val and... I suppose we need to know where it is uh, from where we are. Um, do you have a sense which direction we need to head in? Uh, do we still have a map or was that destroyed? 
Well, I'll move it the overall map here. So you'll need to get your bearings on where you are. You're not quite sure where you are. Uh, Alright, well, first of all, we, we're not exactly sure where we are, so why don't we get up and see if we can find a point of reference of some kind. Alright, so I'll need some... Uh, sorry, some scouting rolls. I just forgot what the... Da, 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 da. Let me have a look here. Alright, so it will be survival, I believe, to get a sense of... Yeah, survival is the one... I, survival or nature? No, not nature. I got a 26 on survival. Okay, 14. so judging... 13? Alright, and so your roll can assist Stanley's roll. Um, so you, had, you walk up to the edge of the ship and you can see from all directions... Uh, desert everywhere. However, one thing you do notice is uh, to the northeast, there's a large mountain range. Um, and your best guess, sort of judging by how it extends out, is that that would be the Dead Fingers. And that, you know, based on the map that you have from Handsome Dan, Handsome Dan Dakota, you'd be somewhere off this map right now. That this, this map didn't comprise the entirety of the, the planet's surface. So um, you're somewhere off the map. So okay. northeast would be your bearing. And like what you would have to, to do, you wouldn't know we'd precisely. Have go, we'd have to go west to be on the map, essentially. We'd have to go northeast to be on the map. So everything, like, you, the direction towards Razakval would be northeast. Okay. And, like, you, would, you couldn't just say go northeast and have it be precise. You'd probably have to spend some time, you know... Once you once the landmarks became closer, adjusting and things of that nature, but you could probably compare landmarks um, as you got closer. Okay. You don't have a sense of the travel speed quite yet, so it's hard to know how quickly it would take. But yeah. All right. Well, I would relate that to them, as I would say. You know. Okay. I I believe we need to head in this direction. We'll keep an eye out for landmarks so that we can, you know, center it in a little bit. Very good. All right, we're moving out. Sails up, and then a whole bunch of yelling begins uh, begins to occur and moving, and like people are, you know, deck hands are pulling ropes, and the ship very quickly, like it doesn't creak, it just goes and and steers towards the northeast and goes, and then the landscape begins to move very quickly. Right, Captain, we should be close to those mountains in, say, ten minutes. Perhaps from there we can get another um, sense of where we're at. Uh, very good. All um, right. Maybe we can so, see if uh, Varel and Nash would be willing to join us on deck. Keep an eye out for things. Okay. You're the captain. You can tell people to do things for you, by the way. When you say that, you could instruct uh, a deck. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think maybe it would be best if if we went and got them. For uh, us, a little jumpy around ghosts rather than send a ghost mm, to get him. Okay, very good. So, um, St Nash, uh, Stan, uh, no, sorry, Nash Farrell, uh, Stanley comes back downstairs in the captain's Wait. quarters, and while he while he's gone, uh huh, I want to look under the rug. Okay, and I tell this to Nash. Okay. Uh, 
All right, look under the rug, I guess. I push off the couches. And with a five, I look under the rug. (laughs) You look under the rug and um, you don't find anything there. And you find that very uh, suspicious, but Mm -hmm. falsely so. Because of your low roll. Nash. Hmm. There's something wrong on this ship. What? Well, like what? What do you sense? Ghosts. Well, it's full of ghosts. We know that already. Yes. Yeah. And there's two things ghosts do. Age, people, me, yeah. or fornicate. <laughs> and fornicate. Do you feel older? Every moment. And have you witnessed any fornicating? No. But that's the most disturbing part. But perhaps and the face. That is perhaps the, face. The, the part that least affects you, though, if they're all fornicating. Right? Your your premature aging is much much more of a Varel problem than, than you witnessing ghosts doing it. This is true. I'm concerned, though, about the face, which said it could appear in any room, though this was also our private quarters. That... Well, that I also don't trust. I'm with you there. I'm not sure we've received sufficient proof that he's the face is who he says he is anyway. But I think best for us is to just keep our keep an eye out, follow Stanley's lead, attempt to disrupt any ghost fornication we witness, and keep an eye on your age. I agree. Someone's coming. Stanley uh, opens the door. Is the rug still pulled back? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, was there a problem? Uh, no. I'll cover. Uh, Varel was just trying to, uh, you know, get a get. A, you know how he is. He wants to make sure all our surroundings are safe and secure. No false and floors or traps or anything. That sort of thing. Right. Right. Uh, did you find anything? Only more suspicion. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, there's going to be plenty of that for the next little bit of time. So, um, we are on the move. Uh, we don't know exactly where we are, though. So, if you two would join us up on the top of the deck. We need your eyes to uh, keep an eye out for any landmarks so we can get to Razik Val. Sounds good. And I would head, I'd, I'd go looking at Varel like you should come with us. I'll come with. Okay. So everyone makes their way back up. And then uh, as you are now uh, on the main deck of the boat, you see the surrounding desert moving past at a breakneck speed. And then there's a mountain range that comes up quite quickly. Within a few moments of looking out, uh, Crooked Hand Row says, uh, We'll be at the next point imminently for navigation. Captain, do you have a sense of where we should be moving next? Or are we on course? Uh, is that another survival check? Or yeah, if you'd like to... Su- the 26? Okay. If you'd like to sur- surveil, surveil the area. Sure. It's better. A 27. Okay. So, um... You take a look out again, peering 
towards the mountain ranges, which are now uh, underneath you. And you can see before you a large lake of tar. And beyond the large lake of tar, you see a shape in the distance that looks like the keep of Tietkala. And so moving north, so you're, if you refer to the map just south of the Uber Taurus, you'll see that I've put, it's the old thing. It's not a ship symbol. I just need to do Fine. it quickly, but the Fate yeah. 6 is there. So you're basically there. So you can now orient yourself on this map as being near this place on the map called named Hegafjör. But uh, and then just south of the Uber Taurus. So uh, Tietkala is within range, and then Razakbal is also there as well as Slave Town. And you can kind of make out these landmarks in the distance as you look out on the different sides of the ship. Um, as a matter of fact, I do. I do know where we are. Um, it looks like we're going to have to go to the northeast, a little more north than east, but uh, or I'm sorry, northwest. That's the direction we, we need to head. Yeah, that's my bad. I confused east with west. I kept saying northeast. So I know, and then I corrected to bow directions, and now, now I'm totally confused. <laughs> Just we'll always northwest. remember, never eat soggy waffles. That's yeah, what they say. That's good advice. Yeah, that's, that's what they say. Yeah, All right, that. so um, Crooked Hand Row receives the instructions and continues on his course. Uh, so you want to go straight to Razakval or Tiet Kala's on the way. You'll be flying by it. Are you... I mean, we've seen it. It's pretty distressed uh hope do you have any desire to stop by tiakala on the way hope will just have a wry smile on her face and kind of shake her head no there are countless tiakalas in her mind so she's letting go all right so you fly past tiakala and you can see you know there's definitely been some destruction uh you there but there's no more smoldering or anything of that nature it looks like a ghost area, but almost like a ruin. Like, uh, you try to peer out for any signs of life or activity, you don't see any. But a lot of the buildings and walls that remain up, and the keep remains intact as well. It certainly doesn't have the appearance of uh, devastation. It looks repairable. Rebuildable. Uh, but who knows if there's been any uh, new inhabitants that have taken up residence there. That you can't tell from the distance. Uh, within within a minute, you, you're past it as you don't slow down to investigate. And then you make your way to the canyon of Razakval. Within seconds, the ship is hovering above the great canyon where the tribes are there. Varel, you run over to the side and look down below. And you see um, there are smoke plumes coming from various encampments within, within the canyon. And you can make out, uh, you know, the shape of very far away, uh, a shape of humanoids, uh, carrying out work and stopping and looking to point up. They appear lizard folk in nature, but you are at quite a distance. Is there anything that you, you'd like to do? Altogether, the place looks intact? Um, well, the destruction from the war, still, there's still evidence of you know, a great battle that has been fought there. But from what you can see below, that there are inhabitants uh, there working, although it doesn't look very populated. A quick cursory count maybe brings up 30 different lizard folk that you can see throughout. Um, the corpse of Orp, which you would have expected to see, seems to have been fully, uh, fully cut up and gone, and just bones remain of a large cyclops 
as part of the decoration now in the uh, in the canyon. Mm. Well, maybe we did def- when uh, yeah, maybe when we defeated Dolopopio, maybe all the worms died with him. Maybe there are survivors and those that remain. I will lean over the edge. Are you well? <laughs> I don't think they can hear you from here. Um, and and <laughs> so make a performance check. Let's see how well you you yell. <laughs> Fifteen. You, you're too far away. It won't. It probably it doesn't. There's no, you get no response back. Mm. You could lower the ship. You could you could land. There's a lot you could do. Let me know. We are here, Varel. There's no reason why you can't go down and address them. I would like this very much, though I am concerned we risk infection. However, the defeat of Dolopopio does give me hope, and saying the name aloud previously would cause bad things to happen. Well, I feel like we killed him pretty good. Uh... Uncle, can you tell me, is there a way for us to maybe signal you? Maybe land, let us go, do what we need to do, and signal the ship to return? Or how does this work? Well, you're the captain. You tell us what you want us to do, and we'll do it. We can land the ship. We can wait for you until you're ready to go. We're ghosts. We don't have impatience. When you're ready to go, we'll go. All right, why don't we land just outside the canyon? We can have right. them stay back. I mean, they're ghosts. They're not going to get infected. And we'll go uh, check it out. Oi, bro, take us down. Roger that, Captain. Uh, Roger that, First Mate Sever. And Captain, begging your pardon. And then the ship begins to lower and descend into the canyon. It moves down. And um, it may, there's li- these little vibrations in the space beneath it causes the sand to, you know, um, kick up and make clouds of, of dust. And then the, the, the airship boom, lands upon the ground. Right. Ladders out. And then two deckhands uh, go to the side and throw ladders over the side, uh, like rope ladders. And then they stand at attention. Very good, sir. Right. <clears throat> We're ready for you to disembark, Captain. All right, Varel, this is your mission. Lead on. I'll take the lead, and as I start walking us into Razakval, I'll lean back to Stanley. How long do you think we've been gone? Oh, uh, I don't know. I was dead for a large part of it. And who even knows how time in Sigil moves? Although I thought we did the math at one point. Anyway, I don't, I don't rightly recall. All right. Hope will transform into a red lizard folk. <laughs> I'll walk towards the skeletal remains of Orp. And as it oh, is wait. quite massive. So you're still aboard the ship, right? So you're going to take take off uh, uh, you're going to get off the ship. Yeah. Yeah. All right, because it's important because as you descend the ship Lizard folk come from all directions and form a semicircle near the ship to oh. see who's descending. And as you're on the ladder, 
um, the lizard folk look and point to you and they say who arrives here with a stick bird stick bird stick bird it's the ship it's made out of wood (laughs) it is I Vrel Rasphim Kurik, I have returned. And the, the lizard folk look to each other, the heads, eyeballs kind of go out, and then one of them steps forward and says, The only Vorel Rasphim Kurik is great fang to the lizard folk of Razak Val. Because he says it, it must be so. Hail, great fang, Vorel! And the lizard folk begin to, uh, they all uh, take a knee um, in circle around you. I have traveled far and wide across space and e tournaments. <laughs> what has befallen you in the time I have been away? There was a great uh, one. Uh, uh, one of the warriors steps forward with a limp and one of his arms missing with the spear in hand. And he addresses you. Great Fang Vorel. There was a great war with the giant of one eye. And the house that would betray us all. And the worms that were present in some. We fought a great battle until, with no reason given, our assailants fell dead. We attributed this to the greatness of our clans and the Great Fang, for we have vanquished them with not only our spears, but the simple fact of our existence was too much for these enemies to bear. Hmm. It is good to be amongst strong logic yet again. I have felled the Dolopopio, which from it birthed the many worms that assailed this great nation. All right, and then they all go with their tongues in, in with happiness. Yeah. <laughs> Yet I am chorus. called yeah. upon again. For did you witness the mighty worm that did burrow itself deep into our planet? And another lizard folk step forward. This one adorned with weird teeth and like fingernails uh, for bracelets and and, and necklaces and, and like a tiara made of these things. Yes, we saw this omen, this omen of insemination, but we know not what it portends. Dire portends. Seeing you all alive gives me great joy. I am filled with hope and honor. I must depart, but know that you have strengthened my resolve and your continued existence heralds the greatness that we will find one day. Uh, Another lizard folk steps forward, this one uh, red, and says, Why does the Great Fang depart strictly after his return? We shame him. And thus he leaves immediately. Why will you... Why can we not go with you? If Rasik Val is not to be 
the place where the Great Fang desires to be the most. Why should we stay here? He's got a point. Says this is good. Would they fit on Mars? Can we do this? <laughs> I mean, we could certainly try and bring them, but uh, are they going to coexist well with the elves? Hmm. How long is it to Mars? I don't know. Can any... Bo, is the state of Mars any creature can live on Mars now? Well, you haven't been to Mars, so you're not quite sure what to expect there. However, one thing I will impart as a thought that your characters may have is that you may have need of an army, and you have elves and tieflings at Mars. It may make sense to assemble your army in one spot. I mean, if that's what you wish to do. At the very least, they do have those pacification grenades, so if the lizard folk act up, I mean, there's a way to calm them down a little bit. I'll I mean, turn nothing back to personal. The... Your people are a little uppity. Is that all I'm saying? <laughs> I'll turn back to the the crowd. And you said there's thirty some. Um. Well, there was thirty some, but more are assembling at this point. There was thirty some that you saw from the sky. As you've come down, you the number might be more in the seventy to eighty. Ah, it's a handsome hmm. number. Like, as you've spoken, and, and, like, rumor quickly goes out, and they can hear you yelling, people have, you know, more lizard folk have come to join the, the crowd. Are they all smacking their lips like weirdos? When it's time to celebrate, yes, they do, but not at the moment. They're, they're quiet, and they look at their leader. You will join me in time. Upon this wooden bird... I head for Mars, the Red Star. There I shall enable a conversation between a wall and another wall, which will give us knowledge. I will bring this knowledge to you. Uh, one, one of the bronze uh, lizard folk steps forward and says, We demand to be brought with you and not left in shame here. Great Fang, allow us glory at your side. We wish to see the wall and the second wall and face the knowledge with our spears together. I mean, we can certainly luck. bring them, Varel. It's, uh, you know, maybe just get them ready for the ghosts in case they all share your uh, ghostly trepidations. Hmm. Those of you who do not fear the dead may quest with me now. Prepare your things. We head for Mars. All right, so lizard folk aren't really much for preparing things, so they all immediately beeline to the ladder and start climbing <laughs> up the ladder. Because <laughs> <And> <laughs> you've been on the ladder addressing them this whole time from a high pulpit. They are now on their way up. Uh, there's more than one ladder, and they're climbing the ladders to get into the boat. So they don't need anything. They just come. They got whatever no. weapons they've got, right? And, but they've got and- spears in hands. They've got what they need on them already. Yeah, Varel is filled with great shame for hanging out with uh, with fleshy humans for so long that he would even suggest that lizard folk would need anything for travel. 
Stanley, very... meanwhile, will lean to the side and just go, Uncle, you may want to notify Chef Mamsey that uh, we're going to have a couple extra mouths to feed for our trip. Very good. That's quite exciting. I'll let him know. <clears throat> um, do you know where they'll stay? We don't quite have accommodations for this many, but... Well, it's they been can sleep my on the experience floor. with lizard folk that they don't require much as far as uh, accommodations. If the intent is to bring them to Mars, it's not a long journey. Maybe an hour. Oh, well, that's pleasant. That's nice. Uh, yeah, they'll be fine. You'll find void travel aboard this particular kind of ship. A little different. Great distances can be traversed in mind-bogglingly short periods of time. But uh, it came at great cost to your father. Hopefully your conversation with him was was good. I don't know about that just yet. He, uh... It's been a long time since I've spoken to him. And, uh... The things I've been through while he was turning into a wall, apparently, are hard to ignore. Well, he's not a wall, Stanley. He's the ship... His essence is in every fiber of wood that's here. No. We, we put that face in there just so that you could speak and commune with him in a way that made sense to a mortal mind, but... Well, he's the ship. In order to travel these great distances, it required great strength. But I understand my brother was a bit of a dandy and a fragile soul, not like me. I liked the dark yards. I liked the rough elves, not the tawdry, sensitive elves that like psychology and want you to go to therapy. They could bugger off. <laughs> In the shipyards, the people made boats and talked like real elves, in my opinion. I like nothing better than to smash a few heads and meet a fancy bird. For a pleasurable night, you know what I mean? Yes, I oh. get your meaning. I also know what but he means. But, but my brother is a smart man, and he's played his part in saving the world, but I understand if conversation with him are easy, because he's a bit angry, a bit selfish probably too. And he, yeah. as he says this, these lizard folk are just cramming aboard the ship going, Where is sand on the stick bird? I will. There's no sand. You're just going to have to find a place and sleep. Oh, wait. Several lizard folk, when you say there's no sand, their jaw just goes wide open <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> like, shocked by what you're saying. You've shocked them. Uh, Varel, do you give any directions to the lizard folk? They all hang out on the top of the deck. Uh, yeah, if I've, if I've overheard the conversation that it'll only be an hour, I will address them. Now, hold, for we go with greatest of speed to Mars. Right, what is Mars, Great Fang? The Red Star, where there is a thing, a thing of which we must get, that is built by a man which will be delivered to another place, which will be brought back here. And how best do we dominate this red star? 
with your hands and your wills. We will build a new home, I assume, on this place. <laughs> they all click their tongues in excitement. Right, orders, Captain. Uh, is it safe to assume you know the way to the Mars terraforming platform? Quite right, yes. There's something we need to talk about. Void travel's a bit different than travel upon a planet's surface. For the most part, you need coordinates where you're going to go, or else, um, one, it will take a long time. A very, very, very long time. We need specific coordinates. Two, um, uh, well, uh, we need to make sure those coordinates are correct. We don't want to end up in the middle of an asteroid field or something of that nature. So, void travel is strictly limited to what we've got direct coordinates for. Now, we've taken, we've making we've made measure to ensure that the coordinates for Mars and planet Nash are pre-programmed into the helm. Uh, come with me, I'll show you what I mean and hope he, back he, he he motions to you too as well, since you're part of the uh, uh, the navigation committee. And if you look at roll twenty, we're now going to switch to the galaxy map. Oh! And you'll see here that on the galaxy map, your ship is uh, next to Earth, and there's Mars, and there's planet Nash. I don't right. see the galaxy map yet. Oh shit! I just switched it for me and not for the rest of the players. Yeah, that I just was see the there we a go. mistake. There we go. Ooh. Ooh, this is fancy. Might have to zoom out. How do we know it's Planet Nash? I don't see a huge interstellar penis coming out of it. Well, you can well, see the two balls, but the tower maybe needs to be a little bigger. Okay. It's just, yeah, it's not an it's accurate depiction necessarily. I, I, if you want to see the map of Planet Nash, it does still exist. Let's give you a show. There it is. Oh, that's. I think that's me on roll twenty. I think I had programmed some sounds into that map and forgot about them. <laughs> I think that's me. Oh, I think you it hear is that? you. Or is no, it you? it's it's like it's programmed into the uh, it's programmed into the map. So when we switch to it, it starts that sound. That's awesome. It's funny. I thought that was you because I was like, "What are you doing?" And I'm that like, "Oh me. crap! Yeah, I programmed it in." That's great. Uh, all right. Anyways, that's Planet Nash. <laughs> yeah, there it is now. <laughs> well done. It's a little tweak. I don't know who drew. I don't know who drew the tower, but yeah, nice, nicely done. Give it a little like Disney red roof. Yeah. There you go. All right. There you go. Nice. Right, right then. So we can go to Mars. We can go to Planet Nash, and if you learn any new coordinates, we can program them in here uh, into the map. And like as you do this, this map like unfolds from the helm, and like everyone aboard the ship can see this, you know, almost Mass Effect Normandy style, this galaxy map made of like ethereal energy. Uh, displays itself in front of the helm. So you can kind of see, you know, you can see these things visually, what, what I'm showing you on the roll 20. And what exactly is this red bit down here with the, seems to be another planet, but it's not labeled? Oh, that is a DM error. Sorry about that. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they hit the played- screen and it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I would say is you've played video games before. You understand how these maps can, you know, have new things in them necessarily. And they're sure, just not quite sure. revealed yet. Yeah. I just didn't know if that was, like, supposed to be something that we see and therefore nope, asked that, about. Okay. That All was right. a failure on my part. Uh, I, you got to see behind the curtain a little bit. Sorry about that. 
So the only coordinates you should be seeing are planet Nash, <laughs> Earth, and Mars on, on the galaxy map. Okay. Right, right. Captain, what, what heading are we taking? Uh, we are heading to Mars. Very good. Crew, look alive. We're moving into void space. And with that, the ship begins to vibrate, but not. it's a very smooth ride compared to a lot of the vehicles. It just hovers off the ground and begins to float up into the air. And the planet, you know, everything as you look over the sides, the planet features become smaller and smaller until it almost looks like some strange little play toy, right? You know how things are really small? It just looks like some faraway surface. And then as you look up, the blue sky turns into black and you see stars and then the atmosphere of the planet takes over and or recedes away and then you find yourself in the blackness of space floating high above the planet right taking a new heading towards Mars you move those ropes over there get the sails out and then the sails unfurl out into even longer whoosh these longer pattern and the ship turns to a direction you can't see Mars in space necessarily but it turns into the direction that apparently is Mars and the ship begins to and behind you Earth which was this big giant red ball with a blue circle around it just shrinks out of existence really quickly becoming smaller and smaller and you're moving through space now and there's a trail of of like a, a almost a rainbow colored trail of of magic exhaust coming out of the back as you're now in this high speed and apparently there's some sort of blue shielding because as little rocks and things come close to the ship they bounce off the shielding and they uh, ignite into blue sparks and the lizard folk that are aboard the top of the ship all begin to panic. What is going on? Where is sand? What is this blackness? What, are, what is that? And they, they're all like very alarmed uh, by flying through space at uh, a dizzying speed. I would like to attempt to calm them with a speech. Okay. I will make a performance. <laughs> Get advantage. These are your people. Okay. I got a nine and an eight. So nine mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> well, you tried. Calm yourself, brethren. This is space. It's very, very big. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very That's good. a That's nice a nine. speech right there, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. nailed it. The lizard folk uh, calm themselves because they do expect dignity of themselves in front of their leader, but their agitation remains. Now, Uncle Sever uh, moves up to you, Stanley, and says, we probably need to discuss the void a little bit. Normally up here, a mortal can't breathe any of the air, and you'd suffocate and freeze. But, and then he floats up off the surface, and the lizard folk look alarmingly at this floating man. There's shielding around the ship, so I can float out here, and he float. See, I'm fine, but if I move out of that circle of shielding, I will freeze and die. Or, no, I won't, but you will. So this protective shielding is what's keeping us safe. 
Alright, so no jumping over the side. Yeah. And he floats back down. Got it. However, if as a technique, if any assailants come aboard the ship, you can throw them over. And should pretty much end them unless they're of a magical nature. Plenty of magical beasts can survive the void. In particular, we want to watch out for any giant space amsters. They're particularly um, troublesome. They waylay many a ship. I'm not entirely sure what that is, although I've heard of a hamster before. Never seen one, uh, but not known to be a fierce creature. They are... um, The small ones are are, are, are a sort of hamster that is bred for its cuteness as a pet, but the true hamster traverses the void and is the size of planets. I want to avoid them at all costs. How can you tell if you're coming up to one? Well, you'll see a large pile of fur on the horizon. You know you're in trouble. They've got large fangs. Is it too late at that point? Mm, Not if you're quick enough. But most... Most who see a giant space hamster don't live to tell the tale. How did you hear about a giant space hamster? Well, it's a story amongst our kind. You know, the boat people. People who fly on ships. Who've heard about it. It's a legend. I've I've never seen one. Only only heard about it in tales. On Tortuga. Anyway. And... We'll be in Mars in about an hour, so sit tight, everyone. Um, we'll let you know when we're approaching close. And with that, I'm going to take a break, too. And thus we take our break for the midway point, And when we come back, we will arrive at Mars. Nice. All right, everybody. Take 10. We'll be back soon. But don't worry. It won't take as long as you think. We'll see you then. Ah audio back that means we're back so here we go uh Bo it's back to you for part two of today's session take it away all right so um the ship moves through space quickly an hour transpires um anyone getting up to anything of significance in that time Hope's studying the steering and the controls and everything and she's turned back into tiefling hope very good yeah Stanley's uh oh sorry go ahead I was going to say, this is disconcerting to various lizard folk who see it. She'll see this, and then she'll change back into a few different colored lizard folk before finally getting back to studying the controls. Let's be on the bridge watching. (laughs) Yeah, Stanley's taking it all in, watching, kind of trying to stay out of the way of the copious amounts of lizard folk milling about. And if any of them get uppity, I will attempt to calm them down with my logic of space. All right, so you'll be managing your people. As as the um, as you perform all these, an hour transpires, traversing through the blackness of the void, and then in front of you, a large uh, orange sphere grows larger and larger very quickly. Within seconds, what it was a small marble in the horizon becomes a large, volume voluminous uh, planet that approaches and then the ship disengages whatever speedy drive that it has and it goes and then slows to impulse speed as you're now hovering high above the surface 
of Mars. Now, Mars is uh, mostly brown planet, much like your planet of Earth. However, there is a large splotch of green that you can see from the surface. And the uh, the ship seems to be navigating towards it, uh, as the crew would be familiar with with it. So um, Uncle Sever turns to you and says, Oh, that's where we'll be heading. This planet is quite hostile to life, unless you're within the bounds of the terraforming platform. Um, so no need to worry. We'll guide us in. All and right, the ship, very good. Yeah, and the ship traverses uh, to the green area and then breaks into the atmosphere gently and smoothly and within about five to ten minutes it begins to lower itself uh, into what becomes known to you as a jungle um, biosphere. So you, you see lots of trees, lots of swamp bodies of water. I will display to you just a rough map that I drew up for this uh, showing the terraforming platform station. The ship itself des- descends into an area that is close to where several large tents are pitched uh, in, a, in a clearing in the jungle. As the ship moves down, you see that there is a contingent of elves in their black uniforms. Uh, they're spacely black uh, one pieces moving towards the sides the side of the ship. The airship anchors to ground, and the crew begins throwing out... Um, Ladders. The ghost crew begins throwing out ladders. The lizard folk turn to you, Varel, and say, May we disembark? They're eager to, to take in their surroundings. Some of the some of the lizard folk are balking a bit. So much green! So much green! Ah! Where is sand? And then one of them points, Mud! I see mud! Let us look at this mud! They're waiting for your command to leave. Enjoy the mud, but... Be kind to our hosts. Yes, Great Fang! And the lizard folk immediately, like, bustle towards the ladders and begin disembarking en masse as they rush down. And they run past the elves below and begin uh, sniffing, investigating, and digging into, like, this muddy swamp that's nearby. Uh, Before you take your turn to disembark, Uncle Sever approaches you, Stanley, and says, Right, um... In the excitement of everything, I forgot to ask. Uh, you got, we got to name the ship. We decided we wouldn't name it, as you'd be captain. Do you know what we'll be calling the ship? Can't have a ship without a name. Uh, yes, we've decided to call it the Fate Six. Fate Six, and is there any significance behind that name to moralize the crew? Uh, it is the continuing name, uh that we have carried on all of our vessels so far, and this would be the third one, but we started it for... Just tell them it is the sixth in a great line of amazing vessels that we have traveled on. Mm, He looks concerned for a second. Might not be a good idea to tell the crew that it's the sixth in the name of vessels that have met their demise I didn't say they met their demise this is just the current one we're on right well it's a good name I like it rolls off the tongue fight six everyone welcome aboard the your newly christened ship of the fight six and the crew goes huzzah 
What's its significance? Yells out one deckhand. Captain, tell us its meaning. The crew uh, sort of looks to you. Well, originally there were just the uh, the four of us traveling, and we uh, we traveled in a vehicle called the Fate Four. But uh, now we uh, carry the hopes of uh, our home planet. That would be the Fate Five and the hopes of you all, which would make it the Fate Six. All right, deception or performance roll as you <laughs> choose. Uh, you know what? They're equally good, so let's just let's just roll. Uh, that's a 16. All right, and the crew, they nod. Hmm? All right, Fate Six. And they all, they all cheer uh, for it. Uh, they seem happy with the explanation. Right then, don't mean to keep you. I'm sure that I elf wants to speak with you. All right, we'll uh, we'll see you shortly. I'm sure. Right then, and the Uncle Sever gets back to you know his hands behind his back, looking at the work of the ghostly elf deckhands. Uh, so the four of you uh, disembark from the ship. Nobody's remaining aboard, I imagine. As you climb down the side with the rope ladder, you make your way to the bottom, and there is a contingent of uh, living elves <laughs> that are among you. In the front, aboard his uh, wooden wheelchair, which is propelled by a watery uh, substance below, the high elf Amanthalodar floats up to eye level. And next to him is Admiral Chrysorius, the the Admiral of Legend who leads the Elven armies. Amanthalodar uh, speaks. He says, Greetings, Stanley. I'm glad to see that you've made it again. Uh, yes, greetings. I see you all have uh, seem to have set up a residence here. Yes, the terraforming, plat uh, terra the terraforming platform has been in operation for quite a while, but... Um, it has never seen so many residents before. With the fall of Elhandar, we've had to retreat here. Now, I've received word most distressing. It appears that some sort of being has uh, been unleashed to attack planet Earth. Uh, yeah, that happened. We saw it from here, and... um. I have a few elves on investigating what it might be. Everyone will be briefed at the um, planning session that we have coming up. We expect you'll attend, yes? I don't see why not. Very good. Um, I think we may have discussed uh, this prior, but you're here to see a Dunglestar Raven's bread, yes? Ah, uh, that's correct. They're supposed to be able to point us in the right direction of uh, whoever it is that can manufacture this triangulosphere. Um, well, his study is on the other side of the jungle. Um, my recommendation to you is to speak with him and then return to the great tree. The elder tree of Mars, which we call Sumaslanar. There we will have our planning session on what we will do to combat the weir from there. Nash. Yeah. 
Your family is staying in the residences. If you wish to see your wife and children, they are there for you. Um, then without uh, any haste I, or uh, delay, I'm leaving. I'm going to go see him now. All right. Nash walks off. Yep. Heading toward the and um, Varel, you can see your people are thoroughly enjoying. There's a muddy swamp nearby. Um, it's it's a full jungle, so in the, you can hear the sounds of of, of bugs and various uh, wildlife like birds squawking. Um, very alive jungle on the surface of Mars, um, and the lizard folk are enjoying uh, this interesting. Not really accustomed to seeing that much mud, so it's of great fascination to them that you've brought them to this wondrous place. Do any of the elves look concerned about the populace of lizard folk that have arrived? Uh, they may be concerned, but uh, they—they're—they're they're proper. They're gentlemanly. They—if they're—if they're—they're not expressing that concern, they remain stoic in their countenance. So, um, they haven't—you don't see any reaction to it. Although you have to imagine that might be the case, nevertheless. Okay. Do I? I, I remember um, the one in the flying water vessel he's the one we talked to in the great throne room right before everything kind of went yeah he was the leader of Alhandar and he had he had he had safely crash landed along with the rest of you and brought the family and the remaining tieflings and whatnot back to Mars so he he's um yes he's the very same elf okay do I recognize any of the other uh, elves and attendants around as any of the ones that Sandley and I flew the ship with or no, just Admiral Chrysorius. He's been he's been a figure through all this as well. Uh, you've had good relations with him as, uh, from before. Okay, I will I will approach him and stand very much like a child waiting for their parents to get off the phone. Okay, <laughs> towards the admiral or towards Amanthalodar, high elf. Uh, Amanthalodar. The 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 one is the the most chargy one. Right. All right. So High Alpha Mantelodar turns to you and says, I see you've brought your your people with you. They are most welcome here on Mars. This is good to hear. They were concerned about the horrible beast that did assault our planet. Their fears overcame them, and they wished to desire to quest with me through the stars. I hope they may find a home here, as well as be useful in anything you may need. I'm certainly overjoyed that you have brought them. For among them, if among them there are formidable warriors, we will have need of them if we are to survive this plight. Yes, though they might be fascinated with mud at the moment, each of them has a fighting spirit that matches my own. And Amanth Lodar bows before you and says, You do us great honor by bringing your people here to fight with us. Thank you. I do. And I walk away. Okay. Well, that was a very positive interaction. <laughs> Not used to such positivity. Um, great. So Amanth Lodar says, um, uh, Bring the vehicle here. And then um, the uh, uh, like a it's like, you remember these, those elven speeders? So rather than an elven speeder, uh, this, this sort of um, square shape, like made entirely of wood, uh, this other form of speeder with, you know, enough room for maybe six people to sit in it floats over uh, with an elf piloting it going. 
Oh, it sort of floats and then lands on the ground and says, "All men here can take you to see Dungle Star Raven spread." Uh, great. So we'll see that, and then we'll reconvene when we're done for this meeting at the tree. And yes, um, uh, can, does this tree stand out? Uh, yeah, all for the sure. On the horizon, there's this j- large, giant, like weeping willow style tree, like just. Um, really large. You can see throughout the landscape. It extends, you know, five or six times the the average height of the trees in the forest that are already very big, and the trunks themselves are very large and wide, implying quite a bit of age in these trees. Um, the overall feeling of of Mars is not what you might have expected, judging from the brown of its surface. It's fully green, fully uh, damp. And, and, and wet and seems teeming. You can hear teeming with life, although you don't see any actual wildlife uh, in your view right now. How long is? I guess you didn't say this earlier. Do we know how long it's been terraforming? It, the trees indicate a long time, right? Years, many years, maybe. Yeah, many years. It's safe to assume it's been uh, a long process. Elhandar has been around for a long time, and elves live hundreds of years. So, uh, you know, this this could be have been here 500 to a thousand years okay well we'll give uh, nash a moment to catch up with his family and then we'll head that way um if we can find a little bit of sand for the lizard folk i think they'd really appreciate it well um it's worth mentioning that uh within the jungle here it is safe the air is breathable but out in the desert i caution them not to go much of what's considered air here is quite poisonous to mortals. Yeah, we we may want to tell them that, because they're really just the whole time on the ship looking for sand, so if well, they I think see that, it, they might go digging. I think there's something we might do. We have a few mages still remaining here. Perhaps we can conjure up some sand to their satisfaction. And he, he motions to a page elf and says... Fetch some of the mages. We'll see that they're taken care of. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I think yeah, I think they'd really like that. Yeah. All right, so uh, the page runs off to collect mages to make a nice sandy uh, area for the <laughs> for the lizards. Okay, so um, with that said, we'll talk further once you're done with Dunglestar. And then the procession walks out, as well as Amanthalodar and Chrysorius and the uh, the the elven vehicle awaits. All right. Well, uh, shall we slowly make our way get Nash? Let him have his reunion before we head out. But uh, we'll kind of go take our time to find him, so that he can have a little time with his wife and kids, real quick. Okay. Perfect. Um, so uh, you'll you'll I guess just wait a little bit for for that. Uh, Nash, you walk into the main area where there's these large tents, and as you walk between rows and rows of people, you see that uh, of elves. The elves are generally carrying goods around. There was a blacksmith working on something, and then you notice um, one of the tents. You see from a distance before she sees you. You see Angelashi um, sitting with the kids, sitting on a chair while the kids are playing. Uh, with little wooden swords and, and uh, out front in front of a tent. What do you do? I would say 
Uh, you know what I would actually do? I would creep up slowly to see if they notice me first. Not to scare them okay. or anything, but, you know. Right. So just you, kind you of walk move up around. Slow- do you want to do a stealth roll? Um. Yeah, I'm trying to blend in, basically. So I guess that would be stealth. <laughs> okay. Um, here you go. Uh, that's a grand total of ten for stealth. All right. So you tend to blend in looking entirely different than any elf uh, around, but you try not to make a lot of noise. And and as you get within about 10 feet, Angela actually looks in your direction and then snaps to attention and says, Nash, you're here. And she runs up to you and um, like she runs in your direction, throws her arms around you and spins around cinematic style um, in your arms and then plants her lips deeply upon yours. All right. My little and the, shoulder. And you can hear the kids in the background. They're going, ew. <laughs> the little shoulder arm will reach out and hold her cheek as she does this. It's like a little creepy okay. little like that. Oh, the baby hand? Yeah, the yeah. baby hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, baby hand massages her cheek. Yeah, the, the hand's into it. Um. Okay. And I would say, um, please tell me everyone's well. Everyone's just fine. They've treated us magnificently here, but Nash, I'm worried. About what? They say that something has taken over the planet. Yeah, we're I don't not have going, a lot of information. We're not going back there anytime soon. There's some bad stuff happening. But don't worry. Will we ever just live in peace safely? Well, that's what we're all working for. For now, it seems that we found it here, and that's good, because I need that to happen while I'm off. Uh, trying to make things better back home, but I needed to make so sure you're not you here were to all stay. Okay. No, well, let's see how this goes. Maybe, but probably not. I'm not staying here with you very long. We're we we have to hurry. And uh, you, okay, you it's can, not that I don't trust these elves, but they're preparing for some sort of battle. I don't know if it's the safest place to keep the kids and I do. Do you know of anywhere else that just... I just don't feel safe here. Well, I just got here myself, and the only other place on Mars uh, that I even know about is where the ship landed, so I I, I don't know of anywhere here that would be safer. Yeah, I, I know. I mean... They're committed to keeping in- you safe, though. They've said, they've said as much, and I take them at their word. Our whole lives, all we've known is nothing but empty desert without very little in the way of respite and now we're traveling between planets whatever that is (laughs) but I just still get the feeling no matter how far we run we're still in danger well I don't just tell me promise me this if you know of a place that is safer in your travels I I just don't I just don't know if it's best for the kids to be staying here we haven't spoken of this but there is apparently well, I know it is because I've been there. There's an entire planet called Planet Nash. And before you freak out, it's entirely... <laughs> what are you saying? It's entirely possible that th- that could end up being our future home. I don't have time to explain what I know. And also, I don't know that much. I just know it exists and that I'm not the first uh, nor the last of my kind. That Who being knows said, about this planet? Uh, me, my fellow adventurers... Uh, a few others so keep it quiet don't even tell the kids well I, I, well I won't tell anyone but 
maybe we should go there. What if we just went there and <clears throat> just remained there? You only have two ways to do that. One is travel through the stars to get there via some sort of ship, and the other would be teleportation, but we don't have a, a way to do if that you, from Mars, I don't believe. We don't have well, a teleportation What did, what did here. you come here on, Snash? I came on a ship, but they're not going to go, oh, you want to go up there? Go ahead and take the ship. Like, we need, they need that ship. It's not my ship, All is right. what I'm saying. I wish it was mine, and I'd just send you there, and I'd go with you. She puts a hand on your face. She says, Nash, you've done so much for these people. They can do something for you. Just think about it, okay? Uh, how long are you staying? I can ask, but I don't know. Um, how long are How you long staying? are we staying? I don't know. Are we there for... Are we there yeah, for, I guess you don't know then. <laughs> yeah. Are we staying? And the kids order? have all surrounded you now. Oh, okay. Are they all in human form? Yeah, they're all in human form, okay. shockingly enough. Um, I would I would take that opportunity to stop the conversation with her about these uncomfortable questions about when we're leaving and what ship we're going to use and uh, kneel down and and uh, embrace my children. Okay. As you embrace them, uh, Varel, Hope, and Stanley approach at a speeder. I'll turn behind me, look back, and say, that's my ride. We have to go. All right. She gives you another deep kiss and says, please don't leave without saying goodbye. I won't. Goodbye for now. She picks up, <laughs> two, she picks up two of the kids and you, you get into the speeder and you guys speed off. Nice. All right. So as you traverse through the jungle, uh, you see there's no real path. There's Well, it's, you're on a path and the trees move by you on either side as you traverse the jungle all the way to their side. Uh, part of the journey is around this great lake that appears to be at the center of this jungle area. And you see in there lots of life, alligators, things of that nature, also large reptilian creatures. And they're like going, they're like species you don't recognize. Um, but this place is teeming with life, seemingly. The speeder moves to the other side of the map where you come across this large dome. Now, I realize I put a tent on the map, but it's think of it more as like this dome. And at the front of the dome, there's this entrance where, you know, maybe maybe 20 feet wide. And the speeder pulls up in front of the dome and the elf there says, well, this is the theater of mortal bodies. You'll find Dungle Star Ravens bred inside. Is there anything else that I can do for you? says the elf chauffeur. I don't think so. Are you going to be waiting for us? Yes, sir. I will wait for you here. When you're ready to return, we'll take you to the great tree, uh, Sumaslana. These are my instructions from the high elf, but if you have something else for me to do, I can do such a thing. I don't think so. I think, uh, well, we shouldn't be too long. Why is it right. called the Theater of Mortal Bodies? Ah, yes. Uh, Dungle Star Ravensbred is a noted um, anatomist. Uh, he studies mortal forms uh, and puts them up on display for the purpose of science. Um. Well, that seems a little creepy, but... Uh, 
Do you know anything about this Dungle Star? What kind of person is he? Oh, not much, but he's well known amongst the elves uh, for being sometimes controversial. Uh, but uh, he's a great doctor who has studied various forms and provided information to the therapists of Elhandar when, when Elhandar was still a place. Um, he's a brilliant man. Without his innovations and etudes of uh, how, how our, our corporeal bodies function, uh, we would be far behind in our knowledge. Truly a great man. But maybe a little uh, eccentric. That's why he's all the way out this way as opposed to over there with all of you. Or is that his uh, choice? Eccentricity just means someone's a little different than others. Um, the Elhandari don't consider uh, diversity to be a, a thing to be um, uh, stigmatized. But well, yes, he's sure, uh, you say that, but we were a whole jungle right away from him, and you know everybody else is in a little cluster over there. So, well, if I'm uh, if I may speak candidly, sir, please um, do. Um, the rules of Bold El Hendar are quite strict and formal in many ways, and sometimes it's better to keep the more um, controversial types of studies away from such a place. So the Mars, ter- uh, the Mars station is uh, a place of less scrutiny where, where someone can study things that are a bit more upsetting to the common elf. Well, that just sounds like we're walking into a real nightmare, so uh, go ahead and keep the engines running. We'll be uh, as quick as we possibly can. Very good, sir. I will do so. Right. So everyone disembarks from the vehicle, and as you uh, do, you enter into the dome, or is there anything you want to do before you enter into the dome? Uh, no, I think I'd just be heading in. All right. So the party walks into the dome, and as your eyes adjust from the light of Mars' uh, surface into this area, you walk into this um, room uh, filled with uh, upon the walls. Uh, what appear to be corpses and the corpses of, of elves of lizard folk of humans of gnomes and dwarves and various humanoid creatures they're sliced up into slices and you can sort of see like looking at the different layers of a tree trunk you can see the bodies flayed out um, and taxidermy style put up on the wall to be looked at um, you see them on either wall and then you see sort of uh, mortals in these like plastic cases posed in various ways, like a wax museum, except they're real corpses preserved. And some of them are cut down the middle so you can see half of the inside of a human or half of the inside of, of a lizard folk or of a gnome. And there's all these cases around. Um, and then as you enter in, uh, a little young elf boy moves around the corner and says, Oh, uh, hello. Hello. Um, yes, uh, visitors. Uh, Dungle Star. Dungle Star, there are visitors here. And you hear from the back, What? You're disturbing me. What? Stop yeah, shouting about boy. Come here and tell me what's going on. <laughs> and the boy, right away, and he, he runs out. Um, wait right here. 
and it moves off. And then you hear in the background, well, tell them to come in. And, and then the boy uh, run, rushes back. And he says, please, Roy, this way to see uh, the doctor, Dr. Ravensbread. Come. And the boy ushers you towards this back area. And sort of towards the back of this large dome, uh, you see uh, there are these large shells. There's sort of like encampment in this museum of bodies. And you see uh, these shelves with various vials of who knows what, various concoctions, tinctures, things of that nature. And in this room, there's a number of these steel beds. And upon the steel beds are mortal bodies with the chests opened and the rib cages up and all kinds of little um, like rods sticking into these bodies to hold open the flesh. And you see a doctor there with these large, like, goggly spectacles, one going out over the other. And he's o- uh, he's over a body with tweezers. And he's going, yes, just move that there. Okay. And then he, he feels your presence. And he goes, Twaddle, are they here? I can't see. Yes, yes they're here, Dr. Ravensbread. Well, introduce me to them. And, and, and Ra- Dr. Ravensbed reaches out a hand and smacks the kid over the top of the head. Poof, just cuffs him. And he, and he goes, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Announcing the arrival of... Oh, I didn't get their names. I'm sorry. Uh, what's your names? Quick, uh, before well, I get smacked again. Well, my name is uh, Stanley Billings. Um... Or Valir or Noth, if you uh, are familiar with the family line. I'll burst forward and um, go, Nash Magard of the Solar Mines. And shake yes, I am Varel, greatest of all the time Varels that you may have met. <laughs> and I'm Hope. Uh, and the, 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 so the elf you see that's over the body, he's this older elf. He's bald on top and has like a scraggly puffy hair in the back. And on the mention of Ornath, he lifts up his goggles and looks at you and he says... An Ornath. Get out of here, Twaddle. And Twaddle runs off quickly, and he, and he takes off. He has these large rubber gloves on. He, he peels them off, and he says, The High Elf told me I was to expect some visitors. I trust that you're the ones I'm expected. Your Ornath, I have not heard of an Ornath in many years. Uh, yes, that would be us. Yes, well, welcome to the Theater of Mortal Bodies. A place where etudes of the humanoid form is conducted. Welcome. Uh, thank you. It's quite a place you have here. Um, very... It's, it is exactly as advertised, so aptly named, I suppose, would be the word. Um, we're, we're actually here to ask you a question about somebody you, you know, um, if I remember correctly, somebody you may have even had a, a relationship with in the past. We're trying to locate uh, Tungsten Wheel. He, upon saying the name Tungsten Wheel, he, he sort of, it's almost as if he's hit by those words. Oh. Uh, well, um. <clears throat> uh, he seems at a loss for words at the question. 
And, and what would you want with Tungsten Wheel? Well, we just need to ask him if he can uh, make us something. Seems to be within his, uh, pardon the pun, wheelhouse to make. And, uh, by all accounts, you're the person who uh, might know where we can find him. Oh, oh. You've been gloriously misinformed. Ornaf. I've not seen Tungsten in a few hundred years. I'd be wondering if you could tell me where the man is. I would like to roll an insight check on that. Okay. With a 16. To test the veracity of his speech? Yeah, is he... Is he being honest? Is he being forthcoming, or is he being dodgy? Um, you don't detect duplicity in his speech, but you don't exactly detect. Um, you you also detect intelligence, which may imply guile. But as far as you can tell, um, truthful. Well, you know how we elves are. We like to plan ourselves for a good long while. So why don't you tell us where he was several hundred years ago, and uh, we'll be able to check that out and see what we can see. How forward of you. You barge in here rudely, barely an introduction, and ask about the whereabouts of my beloved Tungsten. And he gets out a cloth that has sort of blood on it, but a little bit, and he starts wiping his eye. And he sits down. He says, And who are you to be asking about my love? Uh, well, um, again, my name is Valir Ornath, and, uh, Look, if uh, if a man Lodar told you to expect us, I would imagine he also told you to be a little bit more forthcoming than you're being. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't necessary, so... Why don't you cut the theatrics and just help us out a little bit? Hmm. Alright, uh, that's an intimidation roll, I think. Oh, it's not good. It's a nine. Not very intimidating. Very well. I will answer your indelicate questions about my love. If I'd have known where he is, I would have found him far sooner than Amanthalodar and his dull-headed elves from Elanda. You see, we do things a bit differently here on Mars. We're not affected by the therapies of uh, the so-called cult of Elhandar. Here we perform work that is meaningful. They don't understand that. He directs you to come in and answer your questions. What does he know of love? Well, he takes care of a whole entire race of elves, so I'd imagine he knows a little bit. Yes, takes care of. Scale. Last I checked, that Elandari space station is blown to smithereens for all his tactics. I will tell you what you want to know, but hurry up and be done with it. 
Alright, well let's go ahead and begin with where you last saw Tungsten Wheel. Last time I saw Tungsten Wheel was air. His workshop is in the back. He was going out on a mission. There was another Ornarf, maybe you know him, set him about on some ridiculous quest to build a triangulosphere for whatever good that will do. And he needed Glubwurp. I'm sorry. And I don't know if you're aware, but Glubwurp is very rare and difficult to come across. Alright, and where would someone acquire such a rare and Well, heavens, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. That was Tungsten's passion. My passion is for the body. My passion is to understand how the mechanics that make a person work, work. That was his passion. You may avail yourselves to his study, if you wish. Okay, now... You know, you two were obviously close, and I, I am sorry for dredging up bad past memories here, but, uh, left without telling you where he was going. You have no idea. No, he mentioned he was off on a mission. Where to obtain some of this glup warp. And he was gone for several years. The last message I received from him was that he was at Blast Belly Rock. So you claim to love this person and you didn't go after them? And that was the last time you heard from them? His eyes are like daggers as he looks at you. They're bloodshot from the weeping that he's done. You claim you know love, but I don't think you do. Do you know? How does one traverse the stars? You think I've got a starship just hanging out in my back pocket? I think you didn't try. Oh, that's an intimidation roll from Hope, please. <laughs> Nat 20. <laughs> He's like fully intimidated and shamed by what you've said to him. I tried everything I could, damn it! Amantha Lodar said it was not time, it was not safe for me to do the things I wish to do. You wish to chastise someone, chastise him for his cowardly. <sighs> and then he just begins sobbing. <laughs> And it's the ugly, horrible cry that does not elicit sympathy from anyone because he's a nasty-looking elf. <laughs> and it's the most unsympathetic cry you've you've seen. Although it's real, it's just it sounds bad. You know, not everyone can cry cinematically. Yeah. Hopeful yeah. kind of feel like she went a little too far and kind of go over and awkwardly rub his shoulder. <laughs> okay, can we what's a comfort roll, dude? <laughs> 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 Hang on, what 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 are we picking here is the comfort roll? Perform? Uh, uh, no, I don't know that it's perform. Maybe that's kind of like the diplomacy. I I'm thinking medicine because you're trying to <laughs> medicate his soul. Touch. Yeah, yeah, it's a medicine roll. Let's see how much affection you can summon to your uh, side. An eight. Yeah. It, his 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 body like shrivels even further as he cries, and it's it's almost a, an assault to him that you touch him. All you right. can feel it. Seeing that uh, Hope's attempt to uh, 
soften this and uh, detecting his potential place in this good cop, bad cop routine, Stanley will go, listen, we've been, we got off on a bit of a rough start here. Obviously, obviously you care. Look at what you're going through right now, friend. And look, we just want to find him. And, you know, so much of relationships is things just left unsaid, left undone. We're going to go out and we're going to find him. And, you know, we could probably bring a word or two if there was something you wanted to share. And maybe we could give a chance for some reconciliation of some kind. We just got to find him. It's a 27. All right. He seems to he he seems to realize he's forgotten himself as a creature used to dignity and and all that. Uh, the subject of tungsten wheel is a sore spot because his sadness is indeed true. And he <laughs> clears up his eyes and he says, "Look, I uh, if Amantha Lodos sent you, it's because you have serious capability, I'm sure. And I've known your father." Valir Onath. I know the Onath name. There are not many of them. You must be his son. Daddy, it was a man of resources. I expect the same of you. Come with me. And he gets up off of his chair and he moves towards the back. And he brings you past more bodies that are pickled or taxidermied up onto the wall. And then there's this sort of smaller dome within the larger dome. And he, op- he takes a key out, he unlocks the door, and all these gears on the door sort of shift like, gung, 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 and the door opens, gung, 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 and sort of a, a, a dust spills out. I've not been in his workshop for many years. And he puts a rag over his mouth, and <laughs> it's sort of difficult to breathe with all the dust in there. He flips on some lights. <laughs> And then you enter into this smaller dome that has uh, a workshop. And upon the ceiling, there are all kinds of these metal parts, weird and uh, gears, tire belts, things of that nature. And all along the shelves are all these pieces of mechanics. Uh, There's a workbench table of papers and architectural drawings uh, along the side. And in the center of the room is this sort of um, donut-shaped metal area. And floating above it are these metal, this is like a weird jagged triangle and a circle and, and, and like all these things hung about almost like a dream catcher might be like in this strange way in the middle. And Dunkelstar approaches it and says, this is what he was working on for Dalit. The ruby stick triangulosphere. It's not finished. He needed a glup warp in order to prevent it from overheating. Glupt warp is a rare, rare essence. It must be shaved from a dying star and land on a frozen planet where it is eaten by an ice giant. And there it ferments in the ice giant's feces for 1,000 years, after which it must be cultivated and refined with mithril powder. It's a process that is very unlikely and very difficult to find, but it is necessary for the completion of the Triangulosphere. 
since he could not produce it himself, and since the elves of Elhendar only have means to travel to the Feywild and here, Delit's ship was the only way to traverse space. But Delit refused. His ship was not ready. And so there was a chrome man he met. The principal who offered him passage to such a place. But we got into an argument. And he left without telling me where he was going. And I did not hear from Tungsten for several years. Until a turbo pigeon was sent across the stars with a message for me. Saying that, oh, sorry, not a turbo pigeon, a laser pigeon was sent oh, across okay. the. <laughs> yeah, man, we Thank we were goodness. all stumped because we were like, surely not a turbo no, pigeon. That's be a laser pigeon. unrealistic. No. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> a laser pigeon was sent to Mars um, from, from Tungsten to say that he was at Blast Billy Rock and that he was in peril. Uh, the note's here somewhere. I left it in here with the stings. And he goes to the table and he begins rifling through the papers. Here it is. And he lifts up the note. Uh, he shows it to you. And the note contains the words, as he said, uh, written in nice calligraphy um, from Tungsten Wheel. Uh, but one thing you notice is that there's these elven codes on the bottom and he says, I've not been able to figure out what these glyphs on the bottom mean. Now, Hope and Stanley, because you spent time looking at the helm of the ship, you recognize these symbols as symbols you've seen upon the typewriter-style buttons of the ship. Uh, Hope. It looks uh, familiar to you, yeah? Yeah, the coordinates. I think so. Well, I got uh, I got some good news for you, Doctor. It seems like we might have uh, a lead. Um, should we run into Tungsten? Is there anything you would like us to pass along? Just bring him home safe to me. And he looks at the note again. And he says, yeah, let me reread this because it mentions Black Blast Belly Rock. But one of the things as well upon reading it, he says, yes, here. You'll see here, he says, he has found a lead for his glupt warp. And that the glupt warp that might be in possession of someone at a place called Pentelvice. Hope will kind of suck in her breath. Pencil vice, uh... I have asked many about both places, and they're unknown to me. Or to anyone I've spoken with. Well, Maybe you can make like, more of it uh, than I have. Sounds like we have two potential leads we can follow up on. Um, well, thank you. You've been very helpful. And I must retire to my chambers. I am quite frustrated. Sad, perhaps. 
Good day. And he walks, he leaves you in the workshop by your lonesome. If you need anything, Twaddle, ask Twaddle. He's around here somewhere. Was he helpful? Well, I mean, we got the note. We've got coordinates and two places we can go, although I'm not quite sure how to get to Pentelweiss except for that compass thing. Does everyone remember know what Hope's talking about? Uh, she told I don't the story know if... around the campfire. Okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I didn't know if Stanley knew about it, because I, I think we heard about it as the villains, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. she chucked the compass on the ground uh, before we all broke and told the story around the campfire. Uh, well, it seems like we do have a couple of places we could go. Um... We have coordinates, that certainly makes that easier, and uh, maybe if we go to A, maybe we'll get information on how to get to B. Likewise, we do also have the run of this place. We could take a look, see if there's anything else we can find. All right, let me know what you'd like to do. Um, the place is illuminated by fluorescent lighting. Um, you see all kinds of machine parts around the area. That object in the middle, uh, Dungle Star described as a triangle sphere, and maybe that's in fact the object that has been often discussed as needed to save about Earth. About how big is it? Mm, it's about the size of uh, looking at it, hmm, how, how best to describe the size? It's, it's quite big. It's quite large. I would say it's... Yeah, it's so that's also puzzling. It's in your bag of holding. It's, uh... It's like, no, I'd say it's about the size of, um... What's a comparable size? Like a chandelier. vehicle. Oh, a vehicle. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like a car or something like that. Like, but car standing up. It's just not tall enough. It's It's... It's, you know, like a full display. Like, let's just say it's 10 feet tall and about 6 feet wide. It's a large, event horizon-looking kind of device with all these, like, um, jagged things. However, it doesn't strike you as, like, a triangle or a sphere. However, judging by the donut-shaped metal around it, where it floats underneath it, you see um, computer screens and buttons and things of that nature, uh... They're powered uh, because the lights have been turned on. They weren't powered initially. Um, they may have something to do with starting it. Really, the technology here is beyond your understanding uh, for the most part. But you could press some buttons on the computer and see what happened. happens. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. But I will look around and see if uh, there's any notes um, where I see any... Any sort of keywords that stand out, like Glupt War, Blast Belly Rock, or Pentel Vice, that sort of thing. See if there's just any additional information. Sure. Uh, make an investigation okay. roll. You can examine the work, uh, the, the architectural workbench. I got a 22 for investigation. All right. So you flip through the page or p- pages, and a lot of what's here seems to be architectural designs for the various pieces that you see upon the dais, right? So, um, there's a sheet for every small piece and there's a sheet for smaller pieces that connect other pieces together. 
Uh, there's a, also a diagram showing the device in motion. So you see that when it's powered, you, you learn that when these shapes are spun around intensely, they turn into the triangle sphere. So that right now it's in an unpowered state, but in a powered state, it'll change into the thing it needs to be. Um, the word glupt warp pointing to a, a connector between two of the pieces is like circled in red as being, I think, an essential last piece to get this thing uh, operational to prevent overheating. Um, apart from that, there isn't much concerning the traversals. Uh, no diary, um, no no uh, no history apart from the note that Dunglestar pointed out to you detailing his whereabouts, potentially. Um, however, you do see your father's name written in one or two places upon it. It looks like Delete may have been responsible for collecting some of the pieces and giving them to Tungsten Wheel in order to, to, to make the thing. So your father's has had some sort of relationship with this person. Um, if you had to guess, it's likely that you, your father seems to be responsible for assembling various persons of talent <laughs> to help with the endeavor of defeating the weir, and, and he may be one of them. He may have been one of them. All right, well, I've, I've done what I came to do, if anybody else has anything they'd like to. Hope was studying the machine. I wouldn't mind doing yeah, um, a, a arcane roll, just like you know, my own form of magic magic perception. See if anything's weird here. Okay. Or yields anything. Sure. Uh, Twenty six. All right. Well, um, there's nothing weird here, but the artifact uh, in question definitely does not rely on mm, mechanical engineering alone. It does seem you do you do have a sense that a lot of the bolts and connecting materials are magical in nature, whether they're made with magical essences or some other substances that emanate uh, mana wave radiation or, or simply are arcane in nature are present in the device. And there's various, you can also sort of sense that there'd be various knickknacks on the shelves and hanging up that are likely artificed in this way as well, but their function and what they do is unknown to you. Okay. I'll share that with the group. But yeah, this isn't merely an engineering workshop, but that of uh, an artificer, uh, someone that melds metal and magic to purpose. I hope you wanted to study the machine in some way as well. Did you want to roll? Uh, sure. Uh, I rolled an investigation. I got a 16. So let's put okay. that toward looking over the machine, seeing if she could possibly finish it up when they come back. Um, if the arcane aspects being outside of your wheelhouse, uh, the mechanic, you 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 make a, a an assumption that a lot of the arcane mechanics are there to guide and hold into place the more mechanical real world metals, in order to spin the device safely in a single place. Um, what effect it's supposed to have is unknown to you, but from an engineering standpoint. You know that this device is, it's meant to, it's almost like um, a knickknack. Like it's meant to spin in place very fast. And the materials used are actually quite impressive. Like you couldn't guess some of the metals, but 
they seemed all be very high quality and the manufacture of them too would take a lot of craftsmanship like you know the, the very unique and odd looking pieces but very deliberate in design cool is there anything else that we would like to do while in the workshop no I think that's it for me Okay, and you hear sobbing (laughs) coming from a part of the theater of mortal bodies. And uh, Twaddle, uh, you you get a sense that Twaddle is there, and he sort of pokes his head in, and he says, You made the master cry. Is there anything I can do for you? This pleased you. No, um, when he's in bad humors, it's not good for me neither. I prefer to see the master happy. How exactly have you come to be indebted to him? So this doesn't seem like a particularly great occupation. Oh no, I'm not indebted to him. Um, I find his work quite fascinating. I too one day hope to be a great doctor and to know how the body works. But um, one must suffer his temper. That's just how Dr. Um, uh, Raven's bread is. Boy, um, man, perhaps? What is your age, child? I'm 87 years old. Great. Old man. You seem most confused. I'm a young elf. Uh, Still not fully formed yet. Um, that is a very long time to be undisturbed by the delicatessen you find yourself in. <laughs> the body, I assure you, holds no mysteries that small slices can't reveal. You would be better served heading elsewhere, perhaps working on a ship as a doctor, gaining real world experience. Oh, pers- are you trying to persuade him to work for Dr. Daffodil aboard your ship? Let's, yeah, let's do it. All right, Five. persuade. Fine. Well, well, I appreciate your your countenance, uh, Sir Lizard, uh, Sir Varel. Um, but Doctor Ravensbread has a unique and well respected understanding of things that not an average doctor would know. I, I, this feels like the best option for me, even if it's a bit uh, it's a bit difficult. Seeing I... what Varel was going for, Stanley's gonna lean down and try and back up the support and say uh, listen here Varel's right um, there was a time I studied medicine as well uh, with the interest of trying to become a doctor of sorts and he did. let me tell he you did. Uh, there is really well I mean there's two kinds of people there's people that help and there's people that hinder and look at this place this is a place full of dead things and sure you can learn a lot by looking at a dead thing. It's not that knowledge doesn't exist in this place, but wouldn't you rather help people? Wouldn't you rather save people? Wouldn't you rather do good? What are you going to do here, surrounded by the dead? Better out there with the living. Keep them that way. Okay, make your persuasion roll. Oh my gosh, my persuasion rolls are so bad today. Sixteen. Well, he looks at you and 
Right, well, but where would I go? I've cast my lot on life. This is what I'm doing. Where else would I go? Well, I just so happen to be captain of a ship that has a medical facility, and, well, bad news for me, I have a doctor that literally cannot touch me. If I needed medical assistance, his hand would pass right through me, and I would get absolutely nothing out of the deal. It's a real bummer. But with you, not only could you learn from this ghostly doctor, but you could act and be his hands and his eyes and his voice. Well, I mean, he can talk. But you know what I mean. He could help. You could help. You could be an important part of the ship. Hang on, I'm writing down a note real quick. Um, alright, because I don't want to forget this. Okay. Um, make another persuasion roll, please. As you pounce further upon this opportunity. So what you're saying is I'll be a doctor aboard your ship? Yes. I mean, you would be an assistant to the doctor, but you would be right there. I mean, you... Well, happy day. I'm, I'm, I'm to be a doctor now aboard a real vessel. Um, uh, let me go tell Dungostar. I'd be so pleased. I finally made it. I, I'll be right back. Well, wait, wait. Hold on just a, a moment. He's, you know, he's really bereft at the moment, and... I don't imagine this conversation is going to go well. Yes. How mm -hmm. about you leave him a very lovely note? All right, I'll get to find at a, at a better time. Swear off your sandwich slices. He <laughs> <laughs> looks confused at Pharrell. Um, <laughs> he, he, he rushes immediately to a desk uh, where the, the surgical theater is. And um, he begins writing. He's like, what should I say? Uh, say? I don't know. It's it's so sudden. You know, I would say to him, I would say, dear Dr. Ravensbread, I am extremely grateful for all the years of service and learning that you provided in my future career. I am sure that I will find your knowledge uh, simply... Uh, you know, most profound, important, you know, really stroke the ego with the words here, because you're going to want to let him down easy. And then just say, I have decided that my life would be better suited helping people and have set out to become a doctor of my own needs. All right. I've said all that. That's perfect. You're, you're a really good at this. writer. Yes. Uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All written. I'm ready to go. Um, let me go get my things. And he just runs off and then comes back with, he's got a, uh, knapsack over his shoulder as if he's been ready to leave for a long time. He's kind of backed up. I'm ready to go. Where are we going? Uh, we have a, a speeder waiting right outside and you just have to come to a meeting with us and then we'll take you to the ship after that. All right. Well, I'm fully convinced. Uh, what a joyous day. I'm to be a doctor aboard a vessel. And then he, he twaddle runs out uh, to the, to the uh, speeder. Varel, that was a good call. Because I didn't even really think about it till you pointed it out indirectly that, uh, yeah, we don't have a useful doctor because he can't do anything. He's a ghost. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that is quite clever. Uh, thank yeah. you. You you have an eye for detail, Pharrell. I like it. Yes. I mean, he's got three eyes for detail. All right. Well, well I'll head out. 
All right. So the party heads out um, back to the Elven Speeder. And um, your chauffeur says, oh, looks like we've picked up uh, another elf. Good day to you. Who are you? He says, I'm Twaddle. I'm to be the new uh, doctor aboard uh, um, Mr. Ornaf's ship. Assistant Welcome. doctor. You know, we, titles are important and earned uh, for the record. No, he looks a little... Oh, I, I thought I was to be the proper doctor, but... Well, I mean, uh, you're going to act on the part of the proper doctor, which in most terms would make you an assistant. But it's a well, step up from what you were doing, because look, even if you make him mad, he can't hit you, so... You know, his hand will go right through you. It'll be fine. Oh, oh, he looks kind of happy about that. Oh, no more abuse then from 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 the uh, the trainer. At oh. least not physically. Elves can be very very salty. All right, I'm I'm re- it's an adventure. I'm ready to go. Well, jolly good. The chauffeur says, "Let's get out of here." And he, the speeder goes up, boop, 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 and he starts speeding through the jungle again at high speed. As um, the vistas of the jungle pass you by, you approach the large, great elven tree of <clears throat> the name I keep forgetting that I made super weird. Sorry, um, Slinar. Hang on, Sumar Slinar. I should write yeah. it on the map. Sumar Slinar. Uh, all right. So you fly through um, the jungle and you arrive at the base of this tree. The base of the tree is like the width of 50 houses, just like absolutely enormous. <laughs> and overhead now, the the sky is almost blotted out from this weeping willow style um, um, greenery upon the tree. Um, it's There's a lot of shade, but in that shade, there are candlelight torches all around this large pitted out area. So if you think, if you picture like a Roman auditorium, you know how like it, it might, there might be a center and then around there's the seats. That's what we're seeing here. Not super huge. There's maybe about 10 rows. And then there's the auditorium floor in the middle. Um, but it's made out of trees, vinery and cut into the land. And so there's this naturally formed auditorium, um, and you see a lot of elves there sitting in the seats. I mean, think a Star Wars movie where they're all planning around uh, uh, something and there's a dais in the middle. Oh, so in, in this auditorium, High Elf Amanth Lodar is seated uh, upon his chair and Admiral Chrysorius is there. And you float up into the speeder and the speeder uh, is down. And you, Stanley very quickly mentioned it to, to Twaddle to stay in the vehicle um, as you approach and enter into this planning area. Um, Hi, Alf. Amantha Lodar welcomes you. He says, Ah, there you are, just in time for the beginning of the planning session. And then in the middle of this auditorium is a table, and upon the table forms a map out of the trees and, and like, a map out of, like, the sand and, and foliage of the earth. And he says, now we must begin the planning of the war to come. And we're now hitting the seven o'clock mark. So I don't know if you guys have time to play for longer. I want to do the planning now or save it for next week. Um, how much time you want for planning? Do you think I don't know. It, it might take some time, but um, yeah. Do you think it would take... We have to go pick up uh, the two-year-old and then bring him here tonight. 
and it won't we could probably go another 15. we can start it next week so you know next week we probably do this and then i think probably we'll be moving on to to the next thing so maybe this is as good a time cinematically to leave it there as we <coughs> enter into the planning space to meet with the elves of El, uh, the mars terraforming platform station and plan um the rescue of the planet ultimately excellent yeah let everybody wonder for a week what this meeting will contain yeah yeah it's gonna be insane uh well well done that was great uh super fun as always i forgot to mention the top of the show i'll mention it one more time we have friends over at phoenixpearlt.com and they have a slash twbd link that will give you a bunch of teas based on current and old uh adventures here on the show so if you want to grab some of those please head over there and do more importantly go to therewillbedungeons.com and support us and become a dungeons plus member by doing so you get a bunch of benefits, and we'd love to give you those. So head on over there and take care of it now. That's over at therewillbedungeons.com. We record on Saturdays, 2 p.m. Mountain Time, all the way up till 5, uh, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. You never know. Uh, but be here. We love it when you're live. And thanks to those who are here live with us today. That's going to do it for us. Come back next time for our big planning meeting at There Will Be Dungeons. Am I missing anything? No. I don't think I'm missing anything. I feel like I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. All right. But since I'm not missing anything, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening. For me, for John, for Bo, and for Kyle, and for Kristen. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. I will push one in front of the door.